Hello and welcome to the Travelling Ergonomist podcast. I'm your host, Kirsty Angra, and my job as an ergonomics consultant is to educate people on how to get their bodies into neutral postures. And in today's professional world, with the prominence of agile and remote working, ergonomics is more important than ever. So sit back, relax, and let's navigate the workplace together. grateful to have had Michelle Kerr on the podcast today. Michelle is the team lead for Sandalwood Engineering and Ergonomics, which has locations all around the world. We spoke for over an hour and I could have spoken to her for hours more as she is so insightful when it comes to ergonomics. I split our conversation up into two episodes as there was so much great information, but you may well need a small break to take it all in, ready to embrace part two. This is the first part to our conversation where Michelle speaks more about what she does day to day, how she communicates with engineers, how she uses digital modeling to support product development and a flashback to The Sims, you know, the computer game. And we finish the part off with some thoughts on reducing musculoskeletal disorders. Hope you enjoy. So Michelle, could you give us a bit of a background to, I guess, who you are and what you're up to with your role? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, So background-wise, I'm the team lead uh, for a company called Sandalwood Engineering and Ergonomics. So it's located um, in Livonia, Michigan, uh, but we also have a business that's in Mexico and now the UK and Canada as well. Um, So we're expanding quite quickly, um, doing a lot of different work with new clients um, and from a lot of different perspectives. So from my point of view, Um, I do some project management of some things that we do here in the U.S., uh, mainly to do with manufacturing, um, as well as uh, we do a lot of upfront ergonomics. So several years before um, vehicles are launched or different products are launched, we're working on it to make sure that from a manufacturing perspective, uh, the assembly line operators are able to work um, safely and, and to make sure that the forces are low and the posturing is not awkward. Um, so we do a lot of upfront work, but recently I've been exposed to more of some proactive stuff um, as well as reactive too. So that's kind of um, the lay of the land of what we do, but mainly it's proactive, it seems, um, these days as far as what our clients are working on. That's great to hear because I think historically we have been more of a reactive force um, in industry reacting to issues and problems every day versus why don't we just think about what problems might occur and let's try and design those issues out. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it it becomes a little bit easier in the manufacturing world when we work with our really large clients because of the fact that they are working on things many, many years in advance, just like they always have. Um, but now we can tie in that that ergonomics piece to their process. So that's where it becomes a little bit easier for us to be able to leverage that, whereas other companies may not work that far in advance to actually roll out a product. Um, so it really depends on the internal structure of your clients that they have. Um, we've also recognized that, um, as you mentioned before, uh, you know, we're doing the same things over and over, but it's not getting better. So, so trying to tackle that, I think, is a huge portion from Sandalwood's perspective on, on the education portion of it. We see a lot of room um, for general awareness. So teaching other engineers how it works um, from not only a manufacturing perspective, because you have your industrial engineers, you have your process engineers, but also from a design perspective. So can your product development engineers who are designing an engine or, or some type of component of the vehicle, can they have that ergonomic hat on 
to think about the, the end of the line where the operator is actually putting that piece onto the vehicle. So that's a, that's a totally different realm um, than your normal just working specifically with the assembly line operators. It's kind of getting a more holistic view on ergonomics and how to improve it from um, many different perspectives. Well, I think that's probably the most interesting thing that you could be doing is looking at the design of products and how, like you say, how operators are building those products. If we think about when we're designing a car and think about who the people are going to be building these products, that's a much better way of doing things than the, you know, than the opposite way of let's, let's build the product. Let's, oh, let's design the product first and then we'll just build it however we build it. Yeah, exactly. I like that. I, I really like that. Fantastic. Yeah. And that's where they appreciate it as well, because if they have this vision, right, but at the very end of the line, the operator isn't able to put it together um, out of the whole cycle of that product, um, then it's no good, right, from their end. So um, it's it's very holistic in all the different groups that it affects. So um, looking at quality, from a, a quality perspective, if an operator isn't able to put something together safely, your quality may go down on it as well, which then comes back to that product development engineer. So it's all very tied together. It's just communicating how it ties together from their perspective, because a lot of people don't have the human uh, background like we do. Um, So that very much differs with a lot of the engineering degrees as far as what their knowledge is on that and how it may affect them. So almost translating it to their language is, is how you can be successful. And how do you do that? Uh, experience. I would have okay. to say that, that understanding the verbiage that they use, how they communicate with each other, what type of processes they use, um, all of that, having an understanding and being not afraid to see it from their perspective as well. So I always look at things from multiple different sides rather than just from the ergonomic side, because I know that it affects other things. Um, so I want to know from their perspective, what's feasible to actually change, you know, is this doable from, to make this ergonomic portion of it, um, better and more optimal? Is it going to hurt somebody else's process that they've already developed? So really understanding that and being open to questions and open to maybe changing your way that you look at it is, is really how I've been successful in doing that so far, but, but definitely verbiage. You notice that a lot of your engineers, um, you know, they're not going to know your anatomical words um, for parts of on the human, but they'll know and understand uh, different things like tensile and uh, compression. They'll understand those types of words. So kind of using those in place of um, what we would normally talk to each other in helps. Oh, absolutely. So I guess I guess that's quite a difficult thing to do. So you have to now manage their expectations and sit down and understand their roles as well as engineers. Yes. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's one thing that I feel like ergonomists and manufacturing get really good at because of the fact that um, we see it from a holistic view of what the whole product looks like at the end, right? So is it feasible? Are they going to be able to produce enough of it? Um, will it not hurt the operator? Will it be a good product that people want to buy? Are things going to break? Um, so from all of those different perspectives, I think that's where that helps. And Michelle, what are some of the biggest issues that you, or challenges that you have when you're working with these teams? I would have to say some of the challenges are uh, pure communication. So from 
any perspective of working in this industry, you have to make sure that uh, what you're communicating is is clear cut and, and understandable from other groups. So I would have to say that that sometimes can get lost in translation when you're really passionate about keeping the human safe um, and having that background and understanding that, whereas someone may not. Um, so I, I would have to say it's it's a bit of a challenge, but it's not anything that you can't overcome with um, listening to other groups and understanding how they work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Repetitive injuries, of course, because we work with assembly lines who are doing, uh, you know, 300 times the same thing over and over and over again is where it's a little bit different because you can't always predict that um, with a human because everybody's a little bit different. Um, so you can do your best and you can understand um, the science behind it and really uh, put in the effort to look at everything and evaluate it ahead of time. But sometimes you just don't know if, you know, the 422nd time that they do this operation is when they're going to get hurt, right? We can't predict that three years in advance before the vehicle launches. So that's just some of the things that we run into in manufacturing um, where the tools are only, you know, have certain capabilities and, and understanding what those are and how they can help in advance. There's great tools out there. Um, to use. We use uh, digital human modeling a lot um, to predict forces and and to look at posturing and everything for the the manufacturing side. And can you explain that a bit more to people who might not know what that is? Yeah. So digital human modeling is basically a software and there's all sorts of designs out there. We um, use a very specific model that has a lot of data behind it. And you model the human to be postured in a 3D environment. Um, And there's a lot of uh, different components to it. So you can do force requirements. So you can create force specifications based upon um, modeling that human and determining where they should be at. We predict the proper heights for people to be at. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of different things, I guess, that uh, digital human modeling helps with, but it's really um, looking at that upfront work, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's so cool. I mean, I've seen digital models occur and and people use those programs. And it's fascinating to me that we can design on the screen basically before we even design a physical product. Yeah, exactly. Because you think about all the other groups that are using uh, different software and whatnot to come up with things much in advance, just like a clay modeler would as far as the art goes. And uh, they're creating 3D CAD and looking everything at advance. And then we just add the human um, into that portion and integrate it into their 3D environments. Uh, so we can see the whole thing ahead of time years in advance. So it's, it's very, very cool technology um, that we have to be able to do that. We're even able to immerse a, a real life human into that environment by using um Things such as like your uh, 3D technology, um, your goggles, your VR goggles. Um, there's vests now that you can put on that kind of bring you into that virtual world. So a lot of different things that, that can actually enable you to do that human modeling. I kind of joke with people and, and tell them that I don't know if you guys are familiar with the game Sims. Um, yes. It's, it's a human, you know, centered computer game. And it's similar to that. You're... you're telling the human what to do. You're putting them in the posture um, 
and they're they're basically living in this virtual world, which is the assembly line. So it's it's very cool. <laughs> I love that analogy. That's yeah. I've not I've not remembered the Sims for quite some time, but yeah. that's brought back some memories. <laughs> yep, that's how it usually is when I bring it up. Definitely, but it's it's just a comparison as far as what a digital human would look like. Yeah. So basically, you're saying that ergonomics is cool. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> So, Michelle, what are some of the, I'm interested to know, with the work that you're doing at the moment and have been doing in the past, what are some of the most exciting projects that you've worked on in terms of how you've seen change occur or how you've been able to reduce the incidence of injury or discomfort? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So there's a, a couple of different ways to look at it. I guess working with people in person is, I'm a very... Uh, person-centered human being. And so I enjoy working with people and understanding um, what types of things they're feeling. Um, So going to a client site, I would have to say, and working with the human and understanding why they're hurting and how to actually mitigate that is one of the most rewarding things in this field. Um, I've, I've talked with operators before where their doctors have told them they have to find a new job, um, that they can't do this anymore that it's causing them physical harm. And they're so upset by that because that's their, that's their life, right? They've created an entire life out of this career. Um, you know, often older people have done this since they were in their early 20s, um, if not younger, working on the assembly line. So that's, it's really part of their lives. Their families have done it. Um, it's been within, you know, their family for years and years. Uh, personally, my dad actually has worked for Ford Motor Company uh, for 41 years. Wow. So I can see how it definitely affects humans over a long period of time. So I think that's probably um, my favorite portion of it is, is working with those assembly line workers and understanding how much they appreciate their jobs and how much they appreciate it even more when it doesn't hurt them at the end of the day. Um, and then also from a design perspective, it's an awesome feeling to be able to help change a design and see it after it's been produced. And now you know that um, it's been improved for the operator and it improves a lot for everybody else as far as quality. Um, so we're a big uh, Ford family here. Um, so I have a lot of Ford vehicles in my family and understanding you know, what it took to actually put that together is, is pretty neat in my eyes. I'm, I'm people oriented, I guess. People orientated. That's exactly what you are, which is we need people like yourself because at the end of the day, everything that we do, everything that we design is because of people. Yes. If we didn't have people, maybe we'd have a few less issues, but (laughs) yes, we'd also have much more issues on other ends, but yes. Exactly. But so it's so important that people understand what ergonomics is all about and understand the benefits of it. Can you, because it fascinates me that people still don't know what ergonomics is even today. Right. How do you define ergonomics? Very, very good question. Um, So that happens a lot in the U.S., Uh, in general, because that's not a big, um, you don't often have whole teams of ergonomists. Um, Most of the time when I tell people what my role is, they are completely unaware of what that even means. The only time that they've seen it, which is very popular in the U.S., I don't know what it's like um, where you're at, but they use it a lot to market products. Um, So you see ergonomic soup ladles and (laughs) ergonomic 
chairs that aren't actually ergonomic. There's just a lot of different portions of, of that that's used for marketing. And so I always try to tell people that at the end of the day, my job is to make other people's jobs easier. Um, but the main thing that we really say is that um, we're trying to fit the job to the person and not the person to the job. That's our, our main kind of catchphrase in the ergo world is that um, we want to cover a really wide range of, of population that's able to do the job. So with with that said, then, what what can businesses do? Because, you know, obviously we would all love to change our workplaces for the better and completely revamp the equipment and redesign the equipment. So it's all brand new and we focused on ergonomics. But the reality is that we do have a legacy of equipment, particularly in industrial settings. Yes. How do we start the process of implementing ergonomics? What would be your best pieces of advice to just start? Yeah, I think from a very high level, um, I think education is extremely important when it comes to teaching people about it. Um, I think that we're missing that portion a lot because we have such specific people doing that job, um, such as yourself and, and myself, that at the end of the day, some people just need to become more aware of their own body language, right? How they're sitting, what their posture is like. Um, so instead of revamping an entire office, um, why don't we talk about stretch breaks? Why don't we talk about um, the proper way to adjust your chair? Um, so some of those simple things that I feel like are low-hanging fruit should be addressed by the business place. So, so by your place of work, um, sending out newsletters, informing people about it, I think it's just something that's an easy way to start bringing ergonomics into conversation uh, so people actually understand and recognize what it is and how it can benefit them, um, which I also think ties into management as well. So as soon as you can start uh, pointing out how that actually you know, increases morale and, and it, it helps your workplace and it helps them be more productive and you start giving them those facts and that data to support it is, is what really will um, will help that become more successful in your area. What One of the things that I find is that sometimes when I'm doing assessments or managing some kind of change, whether that's equipment change or how someone actually does a task, um, they are reluctant to change because, you know, like you say, in the industrial setting, people have been doing it the way they've been doing it for maybe decades. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you change that mindset? I do a lot of coaching on how it improves and why it improves, but I also take the time to understand what it is that makes it better for them to do something a certain way. So sometimes, you know, I, I might not know an assembly line worker, and, and this may not apply to office ergonomics as much, but sometimes they've created the best, most productive way to do something. And, and I don't know what that is, right? They've been doing it for 40 years. They're experts in their job and they have made it comfortable for them to do. So at, at what point, um, you know, do we understand where that comes together, where maybe some textbook information that I've learned uh, wouldn't necessarily apply to them. So that's another thing about ergonomics too, is that sometimes it's very subjective. It's, um, it's not applicable to everybody. It's, it's often very difficult um, to align with everyone. So I think, you know, education and talking once again about why it could help them um, and looking at more perspective of, of becoming more personable 
to them and, and talking about personal situations where that might help them sometimes helps. I think it really, you have to have a whole group um, that can go in there and, and help do it if it's a, a large variety of people who uh, don't want to accept the change. But I think after a while, the implementation um, of it just happens with time and it happens with exploring options on from both perspectives. I think just becoming more personal with them, understanding what it is, why they don't want to change, right? Because it does come back to that human form of trust. I think trust is a huge thing in ergonomics. Um, If I'm showing somebody a 3D digital human model and I'm saying they can only lift 20 pounds, what would make them trust that software? You know, where is my credibility at uh, within that? So I think building that credibility and building that trust is extremely important if you ever want to implement change from a management level down to the working level is, is building trust when it comes to ergonomics. 